When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here we go on our Wednesday Orange and Brown Talk. We are recapping day one of the NFL Combine. It was Tuesday. We heard from Andrew Berry, uh, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ashley Bastock. Let's get to it. Uh, look, Andrew Berry doesn't say a lot, so we're going to try and pull out what we can. Some lesson, some takeaways. Scott, you get to go first. My takeaway is that instead of studying journalism in college, I should have studied linguistics or how to gauge tone of voice or... Just something that has to do with trying to figure out what a guy like Andrew Berry is really saying and what he means, because we've done this every year since he's been here. Um, and really, it's like common practice at the combine because GMs and coaches come out and talk before a lot of things are going to happen. So they can't say anything. You hear a lot of these terms like, you know, we're working through it or the next couple of weeks are going to be you know, important uh, as we you know, as things develop things like that. And Andrew Berry said, said some of those things uh, today as well. So it was everything we've come to expect from Andrew Berry. And, and I know that uh, your takeaways are going to have a lot to do with reading between the lines on some of the things he said, but um, I, I just come away from, from this wondering, like, is this really the best way to do it? To have them talk two weeks before the beginning of free agency, the beginning of the new league year, when they can't really say much of anything about anything. It's, it's funny because Ashley, you and I were having a conversation in the workroom. There was a quote that Andrew had that when he said it, I felt it was like, oh, that was pretty declarative. And then when I read it, it was kind of like, oh, maybe it's not. <laughs> it's just, it, it's, yeah. it's all about trying to interpret what we're hearing, I guess. Yeah, that's the Andrew Berry experience, I think, in in kind of a nutshell, right? Like you do have to do a lot of interpreting. And uh, there were, I don't know, is it my turn to do my takeaway now? Is that the, the lead in for me, Dan? <laughs> not yet. No. We're okay. Talking. Okay. No, we're no. But yes, by talking say, about Andrew Berry not talking. I will say, though, that that pretty much does sum it up. Like you can think that you've heard an amazing quote and it's going to be a headline and then you go back and read it and you're like, huh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, same experience today. I mean, Mary Kay, obviously, you know, you've been covering Andrew for a long time. I mean, you and I have both been covering Scott too, going back to 2016 when he was first here. Like, have we learned how to sort of interpret this guy yet? You know, I, I don't think you can necessarily back him into a corner based on anything that he says, because I think he does a tremendous job of just keeping it all kind of in the gray area. Um, but, you know, when I think about, uh, when I think about 
some of the stuff that he said today. I do think that um, he can't really be super definitive about anything because one thing will impact another. And so I think that's why we're getting some of this. Well, you know, I don't know what's going to happen because, for instance, if Jarvis Landry says, I will take, you know, a restructured contract, then that impacts what you do, you know, in free agency. Or I just ended up writing a column about, um, you know, that I think the Browns should consider signing Mitch Trubisky. Well, if they do that, then they will probably have to part ways with Case Keenum. So you can't really answer definitively about Case until you know what's going to happen with, you know, Mitch. And you don't know what's going to happen with any of these quarterbacks until the dominoes start to fall over the next couple of days or maybe over the next week or so. So I think that that actually in this particular instance, he doesn't really know how a lot of these things are going to go yet. Um, I think there's a lot up in the air and I think he's got all kinds of meetings set up this week and, uh, and he doesn't really know all the answers yet. Okay, so Mary Kay, let's get to it then. What, uh, what's your takeaway? What's your lesson? I think you already kind of touched on it there. Well, I would say that, that my takeaway is, um, you know, is the fact that he acknowledged uh, what we all have pretty much known and what we have done series on uh, this offseason, and that is that they really do have to explore all available opportunities at quarterback and pretty much every position. But, uh, but we, we do know and he didn't shut the door on it, and he can't shut the door on it, the fact that they do have to explore all of their options. They have no choice uh, because, of course, Baker's going into the final year of his contract, coming off the worst season of his career. Nobody knows what the future holds with him, and so they have to be planning for their future. There are not, there are not a lot of options, uh, but I think this pretty much confirms for all of us that um, you know they have to. Hey, if, uh, if there is a Mitch Trubisky become you know coming available in free agency you know they have to explore that they have to do their due diligence on him and anybody else that might come available so mitch trubisky is the name that you attached in your column that's the guy the brown should go get and uh ashley that's a very interesting name obviously a local guy played high school football mentor may have some opportunities to start but also that doesn't necessarily mean that's a better situation in kind of a weird way. Um, but I mean, what would you think if they ended up going with Mitch Trubisky and, and Mary Kay, right? I mean, he did not, the one thing he did not do was close the door kind of in his Andrew Barry way. And when it came to adding competition. Yeah. You know, I think with Mitch Trubisky and we talked about this, I believe on the Mayfield matrix podcast series, it is feasible, even though he has been a starter for him to come in and the Browns to say, well, yes, we said Baker was our guy. We are sticking to that. This is not a quarterback competition. You're doing that, but you're still bringing in a guy who has that experience, who could, in theory, if he's performing well in, in camp or wherever else, who could provide that competition, even though on the outside, they're saying that's not what we intended. But you're bringing in another possible option and just kind of giving yourself some leeway, uh, given what you've previously said and saying that Baker's our guy. That's kind of a way around this that gives them maybe a little bit different look than what they had this year. And anybody they bring in is going to be popular if Baker isn't playing well. And I don't... You know, even if even if it's not somebody who has, has the starting experience that someone like Trubisky has, um, or even Marcus Mariota is another name we've we've talked about. 
um, that guy is going to be uh, people like I, I just remember Charlie Fry being the most popular guy in Cleveland when he was a backup, you know, like people chanting his name. And I think that has the potential to happen if Baker doesn't if he is the starter again and things don't go well coming out of the gate. So Jabisky would be interesting, um, but I don't you know, it could be anybody and, and it could sour like this whole quarterback situation could could sour uh, real quick. So you want to make sure you have a guy who you have confidence in. I will say the one, the one other interesting thing with Mitch for me that I forgot to mention is like with him being in Buffalo, like there's some, I think new developments there like that. We might not all like have the, have the full view of what he could bring to a team now, depending on how they've worked with him and maybe some things they've changed. So that's another, I think, interesting added element here. So Mary Kay, I kind of touched on this, you know, opportunities that Mitch Trubisky might have this offseason. I'm just looking through, just really without digging in, I'm looking through like the standings here and seeing which teams might potentially have starting spots open. And I mean, unless we're talking Indianapolis, they go a different direction with Carson Wentz or Denver. You know, a lot of these teams are talking about, okay, are you going to go to Houston? Like, is there a case to be made that coming to Cleveland and being a backup for whatever, a few months or even a year might be better than going to a team that's just awful and that starting opportunity isn't as great as it looks? Like, you know, I don't know, maybe follows Brian. Maybe he could do the same thing with the Giants, right? He'd follow Brian Dable to the Giants and back up Daniel Jones till he fails. You know, I, I feel like there could be a case to be made to come here and make a lot of money to be a backup and then you might have a chance to win this job at some point. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at the situation, the opportunity could be there to step into the starting role after this season. And if they feel that he has that upside potential, then I think they could really sell him on that notion. There are a couple of key things to remember here. And I put this in my column uh, that I wrote as we're uh, taping this on Tuesday, Uh, the column is up now. Um, Andrew Barry was the top Browns talent evaluator in 2017 under Sashi Brown when they had, so he was like the top football guy, when they had Mitch Trubisky as their number one quarterback on their board. Now, they weren't the only team that had Mitch as their number one quarterback on their board ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. It was a difficult year to evaluate quarterbacks. A lot of teams did not see what Patrick Mahomes was going to be capable of, and Mitch just seemed super solid. And a lot of teams really felt that way about him. I mean, the Bears traded up to number two to get him in part because they thought the Browns might trade back up from number 12 to go get him. Uh, That's how much they knew the Browns really liked him. So Andrew Berry, I always say this about him, has a special place in his heart for that 2017 draft. And I think that he still probably really likes Mitch Trubisky. They really loved him back then. Uh, That's when uh, Sashi... Paul and and Andrew were were kind of in in charge there. But Hugh Jackson was the coach. Greg Williams was the defensive coordinator. And Hugh was not on board with Mitch Trubisky at all. There was no consensus about on a quarterback that year. Uh, they, they, They could not agree on one. But what they could all agree on was that Miles Garrett could be a generational pass rusher. So instead of drafting Mitch Trubisky, when Hugh Jackson was not going to be on board with that, uh, they all agreed that Miles Garrett was going to be the guy. Now, lo and behold, Andrew Berry now has an opportunity to go back 
and grab Mitch Trubisky. Paul DePodesta is still here. He liked him then too. So it's kind of, you know, running it back to the 2017 draft and thinking maybe there's a chance to see what Mitch is all about. And I think this part's also uh, something that I want to mention too. Ashley, you alluded to it. I wrote this in my column. He just got coached for a year by Brian Dayball and Ken Dorsey, who also were both in Cleveland at one point. And that's some darn good coaching. And he spent a year with Josh Allen and they have some similar traits. They do have some similar traits. And I think he learned so much in that one year. It's like when Kevin Stefanski went back and had that one year with Gary Kubiak, I think Mitch Trubisky went to Buffalo and had this transformational season uh, that could maybe get him back on track. Colt McCoy might have a dissenting opinion on Brian Dable. <laughs> Just maybe. I, I mean, Scott, if it, look, you, you never want to turn down a starting job, but would you rather kind of just bide your time in a place like Cleveland or even the giants with an offensive coordinator, do you know, than go get killed in Houston on a three win team? Like I said, I mean, I'm taking Indy and Denver and some of those more stable teams out of it, but like there are worse things than, than being a backup for another year. Yeah. I think you, we all assume everybody wants to start, but I think, if you're in a position where you can decide where you're going, it, it can make a lot of, a lot of sense to really think about that situation. You know, are you really, are you going to go in and, and help turn that team around versus, you know, do you have a legitimate shot to get, to get starts despite being the backup? It's, it's a hard thing to weigh because I think, any team that's going after a new quarterback, they're probably selling them on other changes they're going to be making, you know? Yeah, we're bad now, but we get you, we get this, we do that. And uh, we have a lot of, you know, we think we have a lot of promise going forward. So, yeah, I don't know. I, that's tough. I think maybe the older you get, maybe something like that backup role becomes a little more enticing, but Mitch is still young, still young quarterback. Um, and I think I, I would guess that he still believes he's a starter. So I, I don't know. I, age might have something to do with it, trying to sell that to somebody who maybe, you know, hasn't gotten to the point yet where they realize that this could really work out being the backup here. Okay. Let's take a break and let's do a couple more takeaways. And we are back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Ashley, what do you have for us? Well, this was kind of something definitive that Andrew Berry did say about guys who are on the roster. Um, He did say he expects Jack Conklin to come back and make a strong return, which obviously Mary Kay reported that uh, a couple of weeks ago through Jack's agent, Drew Rosenhaus. But the other interesting tidbit in there was he did say that Jed Wills is their left tackle. And obviously there's been a lot of speculation about whether or not they would consider moving Jed Wills over to the right tackle spot. That's what he played in college. And he obviously struggled a bit more this year uh, after suffering that ankle injury. But the way Andrew Berry was asked the question was, is that a contingency plan if Jack Conklin is not ready on time, if his rehab doesn't continue progressing the way that it sounds like it has? And he said, that is not a part of that plan. Jed will be our starting left tackle. So um, that was very, uh, I think, definitive with those two guys who are on the roster. But then obviously he gets asked about J.C. Treader. We know that that cap hit is coming potentially, and there's been some speculation about that. And he did not say definitively one way or the other, just kind of gave it, gave an answer about J.C. Treader's uh, years of service here in Cleveland. <laughs> so that was, that, those were all the offensive line tidbits we got today. 
Yeah, the Jed Wills thing was, that was actually what we were talking about, right? Like when he said it, it sounded very like, oh, okay, yeah, Jed Wills is the left tackle. And then when you read it back, it's kind of like, oh, I don't know. I think it was pretty definitive. I think he was kind of putting his foot down and saying, listen, forget this, all this, all you people who are going on podcasts talking about moving Joel Batonio and moving Jed Wills. Jed Wills is the left tackle. I think he we're was, the worst. <laughs> I think he was, I think he was trying to make that clear. Any surprise there, Mary Kay? No, I don't think so. When you uh, select a player number 10 overall uh, to be your left tackle of the future, you are not going to give up on him anytime soon at that position. It's such a vitally important position. And I think just as in the case of Baker Mayfield playing her last year, I think that they recognize that Jed Wills had a tough go with that ankle injury and really struggled with that. And I, I think they really feel that he's also going to rebound and bounce back and, and be a really good version of himself. So not overly surprised about that, but I would say that I will say that, you know, they really are banking on Jack Conklin being ready to go starting the season, 8 million guaranteed. And that was his third injury last year, that torn patella, those things are hard to come back from. So what I think, believe they really need to do is make sure that they have a good swing tackle, good contingency plans, and, you know, just be mentally prepared for the fact that, you know, they might need uh, someone else to, to start a significant amount of games at tackle. Scott, I don't remember if you were on the podcast where we talked about swing tackles. Doug said that he wanted to add a swing tackle. He might not have been on there. Um, do you like their options at swing tackle right now if it's James Hudson and Chris Hubbard? Well, I guess we, we, if Chris Hubbard comes back and he's at the level he was before, I think that's fine. But they also had Kendall Lamb in the mix last time we saw Chris Hubbard really play that role, uh, and that helped. What, what I do know is that James Hudson and Blake Hance are not the answer. I think they were too inconsistent across the board. Um, they were either bad overall, like James Hudson, or in Blake Hance's case, he just – like run run blocking was was really a struggle for him um and that's what this team likes to do so uh i don't know if those are guys that you want to go into the season thinking yeah that's that's our answer i would expect they they're going to sign somebody in free agency for that role um because i don't do we really know what chris hubbard's situation is i don't know if i don't i don't remember him uh stefanski or andrew barry being asked uh, about that uh in all going all the way back to the season, but I think you're, you're kind of hoping that he's somewhat in the mix, but they got, they got, they got to add people, I think more veteran options. And, and if they go to the camp and Blake Hans and Michael Dunn and James Hudson turn out to be better options and great. But um, I think last season proved how important that depth is. Mm -hmm. Okay. So my takeaway, we're going to go with Jarvis Landry. Uh, you know, this is kind of the second answer that I've heard from Andrew Barry, uh, where it just felt like, hey, thanks for everything, Jarvis. You know, we'll, we'll see. Ya. We appreciate it. You know, he used the word grateful today, uh, talked about him pretty specifically in the past tense. I mean, that's that's not you know, he's done that before. But even with J.C. Treader, he was kind of like he's played at a high level and we expect he'll continue to play at a high level, even though it's specific about where he would be playing. <laughs> It just felt Mary Kay very much like a, you know, hey, thanks Jarvis, but we'll see you. I, I just couldn't help but, but feel like that again today, listening to Andrew talk about it. And I know that you reported earlier this week that they're going to try and work out 
a renegotiation of that contract. But at least right now, where as we're recording this, it just feels like that agreement is going to be hard to come to. Yeah, I think it will be kind of difficult to reach that contract agreement um, because, you know, it, it does really come down to the money. Now, if they can make the money make sense for him and he doesn't feel like, uh, you know, he's walking away with much less than what he's worth, uh, then I still think there's a chance. But right now, I, I'm probably 70-30, you know, 70 gone, 30 back. I'm, I'm in never say never mode still because they really haven't had the conversation yet where they sort of put their cards on the table. And I also feel like uh, this is one of those situations where there are some unanswered questions. I mean, who's the quarterback going to be? You know, what's the, you know, what's the outlook for other receivers coming onto the team? So there are a lot of things that they will need to discuss when Andrew Barry sits down with Jarvis Landry's agent here at the NFL Combine. Um, and I don't know that they are going to work out something at that meeting. I think it'll be like, okay, let's check back, you know, in a week and see where this is all going. Um, but I mean, it does sort of feel like it's going to be over, but I've seen other things happen where it feels like that. And then it's not over. So I'm still in never say never mode. Uh, I think the Browns are realistic enough to know that, you know, they're going to present their offer and Jarvis might not take it. So, you know, the ball is going to be soon back in Jarvis's court and he's going to have to decide what he wants to do. But I think they want, I really believe that they want him back. They want him back at the right price. They like him. Kevin Stefanski likes him. I mean, the coaches always praise him and, you know, Kevin Stefanski will address this tomorrow. I, I think he's going to, to say what they all say whenever we ask about uh, Jarvis and, his, and they really like him as a player and as a leader and all those kinds of things. So I think they're going to make a really good effort to keep him and then it'll be up to him. Yeah, Ashley, what did you think when you heard AB talk about Jarvis today? Kind of what you thought. And I know when we last talked to Andrew Berry in January and we got that Jarvis quote, that was a prime example of one of those quotes where we were like, it feels like he's saying goodbye and we listened to it back and it wasn't as, I guess, like intense as that. This one felt a little bit more like that to me looking at them both. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I definitely kind of agree with, with what Mary Kay is saying here, why he could still be viewed as a valuable piece by them, even if like on the surface level, it sounds like that right now. And ultimately the Browns might just be priced out of what they're willing to offer him at this stage of his career. But you think about what he means to this team, not just with what he can do on the field in a good year. Obviously this year was not that, especially with all of his injuries, but, you know, I remember talking to Donovan Peoples Jones and talking about how much Jarvis Landry and, and Odell, when Odell Beckham Jr. was here, how those two guys help these younger receivers along. So if you're going to restructure that room, I think there's a lot of value to still have Jarvis Landry in it, even if you're changing a lot of these pieces around him. Uh, so it's definitely worth, I think, pursuing until, until it's not anymore. Yeah, we, we talked about reading between the lines earlier, and uh, one that really stuck out to me, it was, wasn't specifically about Jarvis, but it was uh, Andrew Bayer was asked about receivers and defensive line, I believe, and whether or not those two are like highest priority. And his answer, within his answer, he said something like, uh, but we definitely need to add more guys under contract, needless to say, something to that effect. And I thought, well, geez, <laughs> there, 
I guess uh, there are going to be some big changes there because we already know that uh, the interior of the defensive line is probably missing, uh, going to be without a couple guys. I wonder free agency, one Malcolm McDowell or Malik McDowell likely to get uh, released. Um, but then, yeah, obviously the receivers with Jarvis and yeah, Richard Higgins in there. So just the way he said that, I, I don't know if that was a moment of, you know, letting us know more than we should, but um, it seemed like he acknowledged that, yeah, there, there's some changes coming at, at those positions for sure. Mary Kay, one other thing I, I want to ask you, do you think, because we, we've just spent this whole time talking about how Andrew doesn't say anything and these guys keep things so buttoned up and, and close to the vest. I don't know how many more cliches like that I could throw in. <laughs> do you think that the Twitter rant rubbed them the wrong way at all, even just a little? No. I really don't think so. I, I really don't think so. I think they know that they have some players that are passionate and receivers always are mercurial like that. And they're always, you know, popping off here and there. So no, I, I think that's part of the Jarvis experience going all the way back to contagious. And, um, and I don't think so. I don't think they really know exactly where that came from, what inspired it and why he said that. But I think um, I think it's just Jarvis. And I, I don't think it detracted from the fact that they still really like him as a player. And in a perfect world, they would like to have him back. And that, that's not the case with all of their free agents. So it's not like, oh, well, they want all of their free agents back. That's not true. They don't necessarily want all of their free agents back. But they would like to have him back. Okay. What, if, what if that rant came after a meeting with the Browns or a meeting his agent had with the Browns? <laughs> that we considered that a phone call you no know, we have considered that but it didn't it, it didn't do it that meeting hasn't happened yet i mean it could have happened you know it's tuesday maybe it's happening today um but that meeting had not happened yet when he had the twitter rant okay there we go our recap of tuesday at the nfl combine we're going to talk to kevin stefanski a bunch of receivers a bunch of quarterbacks on wednesday and we will come back and bring you a pod recapping everything uh, from Thursday, so it should be another fun day here in beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, until then, uh, for Scott, Mary Kay, and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.